All right, everyone, welcome along to another episode of Martin's World. Um, guys, if you don't already know, um, you can support the show and the fight for cannabis legalization in Ireland by signing up to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Martin's World. Um, you can also make donations in Bitcoins uh, following the link there at martinsworld.ie. Um, all of the funds raised will be used to, to set up a cannabis activist hub here in Cork City where I hope to bring together the, the cannabis activists so we can better organise ourselves uh, to, to fight for the legalisation of cannabis in Ireland. So guys, onwards we go. Um, today's interview is with Leanne Nolan. She's a yoga pr- practitioner there, uh, living currently in Oregon, um, but she's a native of Galway. So Leanne joins me today in the podcast. Uh, she shares her journey going from Galway to Dubai and to Oregon, uh, ending up in Oregon after uh, quite a journey. And um, she shares then as well what it's like to live in a state where cannabis is legal. So guys, I, I hope you enjoy the interview. Uh, I enjoy talking with Leanne and uh, thanks again, Leanne, for giving me your time. So without further ado, guys, I give you Leanne Nolan. Leanne, welcome along. Thanks very much for giving me your time uh, this evening. Or uh, it's probably afternoon time, actually, early morning for yourself. <laughs> it is 10.20 a.m. here. <laughs> uh, there you go. So good morning. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me. No, I'm delighted to have you on. Um, if you could just uh, tell me a bit about yourself, Leanne. Um, you're an expatriate of Cork, uh, if you want to start there. Or, not Cork, sorry, Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I'm. my name's Leanne. I'm originally from a small town in Galway called Ballygar, County Galway. Um, I left Ireland in 2014. Uh, like many other teachers, I went off to the UAE to start my teaching career because it was just something I wanted to do. I have no other reason other than I just wanted to try something and I, I really love to travel so um, I kind of used my teaching degree as a little bit of a passport to travel basically. It wasn't for the love of teaching now per se but it was just kind of a, a reason to, to get out and see the world. Um, I didn't go to Dubai that first year, I went to another lesser known emirate called Ras Al Khaimah and I spent a year teaching music there and that was fine. I didn't really like it that much, but I got <laughs> here. And um, during that year, I met my now husband, uh, who he actually just happened to move to Dubai that same year. He's from Texas. <laughs> and we met on Tinder. And, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, we met on Tinder that December of that first year, 2014. And um, obviously, our relationship developed from there. And I ended up moving to Dubai then for the next academic year. So, in 2015, I moved on to Dubai and I spent two years teaching in a school there and and that was a very very stressful time in my life because I I knew in my heart and soul teaching wasn't for me but I was just doing it anyway because I'd spent all this you know time to get my degree and all of that so at the end of my second year in Dubai I started to do yoga um, and I found that that really started to help me you know, deal with some of the stress. Yeah. And then my then boyfriend, now husband, lost his job in Dubai. And we were like, crap, what do we do now? Yeah. And he ended up getting a job in Qatar. So I was like, what do, what do I do? Do I just go and get a job in Qatar too? Like, what the hell? So I ended up doing that. I was just like, okay, I, I like him. I'm just going to see how this goes. So I ended up moving to Qatar for the next academic year. So that brings us to like 2016-17 academic year. And throughout that time, I continued to do yoga. 
and just kind of felt that it was super helpful for my mental health. Um, then he lost his job again <laughs> <laughs> in Qatar. This was the, the January after, so you know, academic years go September to May, June. So that was the January of 2017. And at that point we had just got engaged in November and we had planned to stay in Qatar for like a few years and you know, save some money and all that good stuff. And then that was just like gone overnight. So I had like a real panic because I was like, I don't want to be in Qatar by myself. Cause he, he had no choice at that point. He just like, okay, I, I'm gonna, gonna look for jobs back in America. And you know, with the, the goal to kind of move back there. But I was right. kind of stuck in this, well, what the hell am I going to do? Am I going to stay in Qatar without you? And like, I, I had this tendency to create my friend group around him because when you move to another country, it's, you know, it's kind of how it happens. Your friend group surrounds your, your partner or whatever. And then he was like going to be leaving and I left myself like kind of stranded in a way with, with nowhere to turn. Um, but luckily I had met a really, really great uh, friend um, in my school in Qatar and this is a long story that could go on forever but she ended up um, really being such a great help her name's Jessica and I, I think of her as a bit of a guardian angel because you know she helped me through that rest of that year in Qatar um, throughout that year we had to figure out well how am I going to get to America because you know you need you know to live long term here you need a green card or whatever and luckily we just gotten engaged because otherwise we just we would have had to do this for a visa you know, we would, we would have yeah. had to for like the wrong reasons, but luckily we had got engaged and we, we wanted that anyway. So that, that year I finished my year in Qatar and then I, I came to America on a tourist visa while we were waiting for my green card. And this is where I'm getting to the cannabis part of it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really didn't experiment much with cannabis at all. Like throughout my like definitely not in my teenage years not in college really one boyfriend had kind of like we had tried hash and I was like not really interested I was a big drinker and drinking okay. since I was 12 like I started literally drinking quite heavily from 12 onwards like any disco we ever went to I was drinking like Dubai is party central so like my husband actually worked in a nightclub so I was out every weekend you know partying and it wasn't cool. until I started to do yoga that I realized I, I can't have these hangovers anymore. I just can't, like, they're not, I just can't, I really just couldn't. I always suffered from bad, bad hangovers, but I, I powered through. But at that point, I was like, they're not serving me at all anymore. No, it's punishment so, to the body. I, I think it's something that you get woken to then during yoga. It's kind of like you're sitting there doing your stretch, doing your mindfulness, and next you get a thought, why am I doing this to my body? <laughs> Do you know, and I, I think that's something cannabis kind of does to you as well. It kind of opens you up to these different ways of thinking definitely slows the mind down and brings you more present but you you say um, Dubai was like a night and party central there Um, I, I thought alcohol was kind of banned and stuff over there as well no no, no. Oh, okay no not at all it's it's hilarious because it's actually one of the most common questions I get here from like middle to upper age white men like you did you feel safe as a woman in Dubai and I'm like yes I felt way safer as a woman in Dubai than I feel living here, <laughs> you know, and really? that's the truth of it because I think people have these preconceived notions of the Middle East as it's some like, well, like there, now I'm not talking, I'm just specifically talking about my own experience, but I felt so safe in the Middle East and drink is definitely widely available. You know, you can, 
it's not easy to there's not like off licenses or like liquor stores as such you kind of need a license but there's a million ways around it and the, the emirate i lived in was ras al Khaimah, like i mentioned there's loads of there's like beautiful like literally beautiful stores where you can go to buy like every alcohol under the sun and i didn't yeah, okay. at all but in dubai i think you need a license I, I i don't know the technicalities and it could have changed since i've left um but certainly big party city yeah it, it, that's what it's known for, really, I think. Whereas Qatar was much more reserved, a little bit more local. You know, it wasn't definitely easy to get yeah. on, but not, not as and, part of the party. As and while, while you were there, did you encounter cannabis or any other drugs in Dubai? Um, you, yeah. <laughs> you, can certainly, you can certainly, if you want. Uh, it's obviously more dangerous. It, it's very, very punishable. So I, I was like... Yeah. More dangerous in terms of the law, you mean? Yeah, and yeah. I just yeah. I mean, even back then because I still had a lot of conditioned thinking around it, I was just like, oh, it's dangerous. But my my yeah. husband is a big big cannabis fan, and he has been for a long time. So, okay. <laughs> it, it, so, so how did he how did he find that change in Dubai? Uh, having to change that aspect. I, I he was fine, you know, like yeah. I. Well, because he worked in a nightclub, obviously you just you kind of adapt to your surroundings, I guess, and. Yeah. Probably, I, I don't. I mean, I didn't know him before that, but yeah, he but he, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't take the risk over there. <sighs> not, not that you can recall. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know how much I want to like say about. Yeah. That because, uh, no, that's fine. Yeah. I, I just know myself that with the laws over there, as, as much as a rebel as I am at times, like that's one place I would not be breaking the law. Yeah, like, it's definitely available. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like that, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be risking it. Yeah. Yeah. And so to, to go from there uh, to now living in a state where they only just recently decriminalized all drugs, like that's that's a crazy. That's a pivotal move. <laughs> It's, complete 180 it's amazing i'm i'm here in oregon now and i was actually like me and my husband have had just so many moves in our like relationship we've only known each other six years but we've basically moved country if not definitely house every year if not more than yeah more. So it's been a lot of movement and we originally landed in seattle that's where his first job was out of qatar which is also legal there so when Sorry. i first when i first arrived um when I first arrived to the first legal state and I want to just mention my first experience with, with edibles because it was when I first went to Texas to visit his family in 2015 like we had just you know we weren't even a year together at that point and I went to Texas to meet his family and first time ever to have an edible and God love him he gave me like the tiniest amount you know like the corner, <laughs> corner of a bar a little chalk square and i as skeptical as i am because i think i'm quite uh, a skeptical person i was like that will do nothing for me but he was like no that's all you're getting <laughs> and at the time i didn't know obviously that it amplifies your anxiety it amplifies what you're already feeling so i was convinced that he had a whole plan up that he was going to kill me and his parents were going to kill me and the woman who gave oh, him the chocolate who's our good friend obviously was in on a two and they all just wanted to kill me so that was my first experience with edibles and i'm super surprised i ever wanted to touch them again after that because i was just convinced that they were all out to get me but he was <laughs> laughing at me going you're fine you're fine but yeah. i was an anxious mess and i didn't even realize that i suffered from anxiety my whole life because i had been coping with it in ways that just kind of you know yourself like I dream yeah ever it's just a coping mechanism so until I started to kind of 
realized that through my yoga practice. And then when yeah. I moved here, I had like been doing yoga for like two years, maybe at that point. So I had like a, a grounding practice. That's what yoga yeah. is. Said. It brings you into the present moment. So when I moved to Seattle, I didn't move. I was just visiting at that point. And first legal stage where I was able to try this substance. And even knowing it's legal, a massive, massive difference, you know, because the illegal, just that word, when you're doing something unconsciously, you're worried, you know, am I going to get caught? Blah, 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 all the things. And that's yeah. doing it such a disservice as well. Just that word, because you might not even get the full benefits from it. If, if you, if you think it's illegal, it's just yeah. a word, but that's, I think, I think that's, I think that's true. Yeah, no, I think that changes an awful lot for people, uh, the, the legality of it. If you're using a substance that's illegal and the substance then actually increases your paranoia, well, you've just broken the law and now you're more paranoid about breaking the law. So it's, uh, it can be quite unpleasant at times. <laughs> yeah, it is a vicious circle, all right. And my, I know my own uh, girlfriend, uh, she does, she's a, a very irregular consumer of cannabis, but... Uh, when she does consume it's it's the most minute amount that she needs mm -hmm. but it could be it could be very funny that the, sometimes when she's had too much like the the anxiety goes through the roof and uh, it's feel my heart my heart's beating too fast like that's the most common one I always get and it's I, I can't help but just laugh it off because I, I know she's going to be fine mm -hmm. but um yeah there's definitely a an aspect brought in by the the illegality of it there because uh dosing and all of this stuff it's very hard you know I, I might have a, a bong hit and I would put a little crumb inside there for it but again you, you just don't know what you're even smoking I don't have an indicator of the strength so yeah. all of this it just leads to a, a recipe for a, an unpleasant experience really absolutely and I think like like I said when I moved here and I started to become a little bit more uh, regular user of cannabis and I had kind of pulled back from drinking at this point you know I, I, wa I wasn't enjoying drink anymore it just wasn't yeah. me anything it was as though my body was almost rejecting it I kind of think I'm a I like to think I'm allergic to it now or something I can't <laughs> drink at all I don't drink anymore and I, I don't and that's fine you know I'm happy to not do that but I found when I started my big my my, my most profound memory really is we were driving somewhere and I was just so curious. It, it, it brought out my curiosity and that's what it, seem, it, it seems to do for me. It, it brings out that, that part of me that I, I, I maybe didn't, I hadn't developed because I, I just, I don't know, I don't know how else to explain it. I just remember we were just super stoned and we were like placing, placing history. We got super interested in history. And we're like, well, what was happening at, in that place at this part in history? And, you know, we were just really trying to, and I just remember going, yeah. wow, I've never been interested in this before. I've never cared, you know, and it just opened my mind up to wanting to know more. And I yeah. think that's what it is. It's a, I don't like to use this, this word, but it's like a consciousness expansion. It helps your conscious expand. It helps, and all yeah. consciousnesses is awareness. So it just helps you be aware. Yeah, I think there's somebody else, it's not my term, but I heard somebody uh, term to coin uh, or the phrase uh, procreational drug that cannabis isn't recreational, it's procreational because it, uh, it, it makes you more creative. It makes you ask questions and in asking questions, you get answers, which is 
that's a pathway to creation that's you know the solutions <laughs> if yeah. not anyway it's just some silly questions you can ask and get silly answers to <laughs> and you can just have fun i mean it, it, i i'm all for it in a recreational sense but i also I also believe that it has to be almost respected for what it is. We have to like understand that this is a plant that the earth has given us. And that alone is really cool when you think about it. Like there's no process that has to go through it. It's it, obviously I know like sometimes you have to kind of take care of them and give them a lot of attention depending on their environment. But you know, they grow naturally in lots of parts of the world. And then when I moved here and I started to learn about American politics and I started to learn about the war on drugs and I was like, hold on, you're telling me they only made this illegal because it was basically benefiting minorities and you didn't want them to benefit because it wouldn't suit you, you know? And you just start yeah. to learn this and you, you're just like, whoa, this is bullshit. Bull yeah, it's a complete power move. Uh, it's, 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 it, it really makes me so angry. Like, and that's why I'm like, I. I'm kind of over my, I'm going to be quiet about this. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not out to hurt anybody. I, I'm not out to like cause anybody any harm. I just think this should be widely available for anybody who wants it. And like, it's, medis it's a medicine. It is literally a medicine. Yeah. Why is it illegal? I, I, yeah. I, I think that's just a question we just need to ask. Why, why is it illegal? And then when you learn... You can't ignore that then, because that's factual information. It was just made illegal to prevent creativity. Like all the greats, like the jazz artists, all these guys were just getting stoned and creating and like, oh, it's beautiful. And then it's yeah. a plain shame that it was just like prohibited. Prohibited, yeah, and in a very uh, blunt way too at the time. Mm -hmm. And it was very sneaky as well, actually, how they done it with the, the coining of the term marijuana and uh, tricking people into believing that what they were making illegal was just this thing that these, uh, I don't know, the, the immigrants, the, the Mexicans, the blacks at the time, and um, it, it's not the cannabis medicines that your doctor were prescribing. And at the same time, then along comes aspirin and morphine and all these other bloody opiate-based drugs and things. So. Exactly. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's super. It's, it's really interesting when you really get into it, it because is. around the same time they well, not around the same time, but I'm also super passionate about psilocybin therapy right now as well and trying to like, because Oregon also just legalized that and like psilocybin right. is the natural derivative coming from ma magic mushrooms as we like, we would call them. But um, yeah. another massively powerful substance that's just from the earth, you know, the earth. There you go. Just it's a question I was sitting with um, earlier as I was, I was thinking about this interview, you know, it's um, he went and he decriminalized this therapy but these mushrooms grow from the ground, like in Ireland anyway, this time of year right now, say since September to November, you have the Liberty caps uh, popping up and you've the, the wavy caps as well, the, the other uh, psilocybin containing mushrooms. But every year this happens and every year, hundreds, if not thousands of people across Ireland and the UK and, and the rest of the world go picking these mushrooms. But you, you don't hear of horror stories coming from these things. The only horror stories you hear are when somebody picks the wrong mushrooms, maybe, or, or you know, the, the, it's very rare that it ends in disaster. Um, and you just have to wonder how it is that we've gone on for so long to keep and kept this illegal. Oh, just... yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm almost finished a book right now that I'm pretty obsessed with. It's, it's just a, it, it's got all the information and like chronologically 
going back in history and like really explaining how these drugs just got misused on not not even mis it's not even that they were misused you know i'm talking about yeah. lsd in particular like because lsd is just the synthetic version of psilocybin just like penicillin is the synthetic version of a mold as well a fungi it all comes from fungi you know yeah. um, the fungi is amazing i'm learning you know it's it's what keeps, <laughs> keeps the world turning it really does like it's totally undervalued as, a, as an amazing resource but i read something that i just blew my mind blew my mind because these mushrooms grow uh, a lot on uh, at the edge of continents like ireland's an island state so obviously we're the edge but it grows yeah. on the west coast of america like it grows on the edge of society and what does it do it helps you get to the edge of your consciousness you know it helps you get there to the edge yeah. of whatever and i'm like oh, yeah because <laughs> that's you know that's what it does you know it, it expands your mind it allows space for new ideas to come in yeah and, and do you know what's um, going to be happening so in um in, in oregon now since you've decriminalized them um how is it going to be taking shape uh, has there been any talks started there around that I don't know 100%, but as far as I know, it's going to be very much in a therapeutic setting. And I do believe that that's important because yeah. the set and the setting, same with cannabis, the set and the setting is number one. It's paramount, yeah, yeah, number it one. is. And that's why cannabis has gotten a lot of misconceptions because if you're in the wrong set and setting, if you're around people you're not comfortable with, oh, the anxiety will burst out of your chest, you know, you'll feel it. Not even around the wrong people. If you think it's legal, if you if you have something that you're repressing, it's it's almost trying to make you feel it. It's, it wants you to feel it because we're all full of repress repression. You know, we're, we're, we repress our emotions, we repress a lot, a lot of things. And I think these substances are like, hey, I'm trying to help you. <laughs> yeah, come have a look what's under the surface. <laughs> Um, so here, yeah, I believe they are going to make it very therapeutic. It's not going to be like cannabis where there's loads of shops. Like I could walk to about five shops from where I live here. They're everywhere. It's not going to be like widely available to the public because I don't believe it will do any good if it is just, again, it's the set in the setting. So I think education mm -hmm. needs to be the paramount thing. Educate people on these substances. Get rid of the stigmas. Get rid of the taboos. Get the factual information. Um, Right now, they want it to be, I think there'll be two people in the therapy room, a clinical psychologist or a therapist, and then yeah. some other form of maybe it could be a breathwork person or it could be a, you know, someone who's somewhat spiritual, we'll say, because even though I hate that word, I am a spiritual person. I can't deny it anymore. You know, I, I am. Yeah. Uh, it's just a word like God, like all these religious terms that I have a bad relationship with just growing up in Catholic Ireland and having questions and not getting any answers. Yeah. So I'm like breaking through that for myself because yoga is a very spiritual practice. Um, so yeah, they're going to do it that way in a very much like it was, because they started massive, massive studies on this in the 60s and 70s in Harvard with Tim Leary. I don't know if you know Tim Leary's story. Do, yeah. Hilarious man. Oh my God, I'm just learning about him for real now. And I'm like, whoa, what balls did he yeah. have? Even though he caused what? a lot of trouble because he was the one who kind of brought it up and then also brought it back down. Um, yeah. <laughs> but they're going to do it like that. And it's going to be blindfold, playlist, and then the most important part is how to integrate it back then, how to integrate it into your life. You have this experience, 
if you have nowhere, if you have no one to help you kind of come back into the real world or come back into your day to day, it's not going to do you any good either. You really need to now learn how to integrate this experience back into your life and to create the change that it may have brought up for you or whatever it is. And I, yeah. I think integration is the most important part of it all. Uh, um, you had your own um, experience there, but I, I see you shared it up on Instagram, uh, so I hope you don't mind me asking. Um, but it, it, it said it was your first psychedelic experience with um, a half tab of LSD. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Could you tell me a little bit about that? Because uh, I, I know for me, LSD was quite profound uh, an experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I moved to Chicago last year, again, with the hopes of staying there long term. But here I am in Oregon. Um, <laughs> and I had really been getting into my yoga studies, like not just practicing, but also delving into the philosophy and the yoga sutras and the Bhagavad Gita and the all these ancient spiritual texts and I like reading as much as I could get my hands on and then I found my way from a yoga uh, one of my yoga teachers to Ram Das and I'm not I'm not sure if you know Ram Das but Ram Das was Timothy Leary's colleague in Harvard he was back then known as Richard Albert and he was a big fan of the LSD and experimented a lot I mean I can't even imagine how many trips these guys had but um he got fired from Harvard making a long story short short and he brought this a little bottle of LSD to India because he knew there was some he, he knew from his own experience there was something mystical or something not explainable about this substance so what he did is he brought it to India to this guru and like there, there are legitimate yogis in India who just can meditate, you know, and they're, they're already transcending our, their thinking mind, you know, they're already there. Yeah. So he was like, well, he, he gave it to the guru and was like, uh, what is this? What is this substance? And he was basically said, I don't know his exact words, but I think he was like, it, it gives, it's like an avatar for humans to experience Christ consciousness or something like that. And I know that's very wordy and woo-woo, but like, it makes sense because it just allows you to really get out of your thinking mind and to ex- and, and to experience something that you've never experienced before. And it's undeniable. Like, it's hard to explain in words, but it's just an undeniable feeling, I think, that something different is happening. So my experience yeah. was, I'd read Ram Dass, I was super curious, but like, I've never, I've just never had an opportunity to, it's never been pre- presented to me before. With all the travel I've done, I've been so blessed and so privileged to travel to over 40 countries and I've never had any opportunity. Apart from when I was in Bali and a friend of mine, he, he had um, he had a real mushroom, like the real non, non-dried, just gooey mushrooms. And I was like, I, can't, I cannot eat them. They, they smell like shit. I, I literally can't eat them. Are you kidding me? And I didn't. I passed up on that opportunity, which I mean, I'm very grateful for now because I feel like I was more ready for the, the experience I had. Um, but yes, I, we had one tab of LSD. And like I told you, I'm quite a cynical person. So I went into this going, that's not going to be enough. But anyway, I'll try. <laughs> and I said, I know, the, I know the set and setting is important. And I know it's a good idea to make an intention. So as I mentioned in the post, I had built up so much guilt because I missed my granny's funeral because of my green card interview that was the same day. And I couldn't go home for Christmas last year. And it was my first time to miss Christmas at home. And I was just really... I was just sad and upset and guilty and I had gone home in January and 
met everyone and it was nice, but I still felt like I couldn't shake this guilt. And I was like, what? And it's Catholic guilt, I know that. But I, was like, <laughs> I said, okay, let me, help me through this guilt, whoever this intention goes to, you know? And um, while you're at it, like, help me figure out this yoga stuff. I'm loving all the stuff I'm reading, but like, it's all just words. I'm not like, I don't, I, I get what you're saying, but it's not a felt experience yet. So took the LSD, an hour passed, nothing happened. Another hour passed, nothing happened. And I was like, meh, this, that's just not gonna work. Um, but then, you know, the feeling starts to take all sorts of colors and forms. And I'm like, what the <laughs> hell? And I started to see these colors like I've never seen in, in real life before, like turquoise and purple, and it's just gorgeous. And then I, it really started to kick in and I actually had to record myself because <laughs> I thought I was going crazy because I didn't know much about the substance. I really thought I was kind of having a going a, just a bit mad because I really understood. I was like, whoa, like this was me and the trip. I was like, okay, I get it. I was like, <laughs> they all say, all these great teachers, you have to be present in the moment. Like I'm a big fan of Eckhart Tolle and Ram Das and all these guys, they all say the present moment is all there is. But when I was mm -hmm. in that experience, I was like, they weren't lying. The present <laughs> moment is all there is. There is no past. There's no future. It's all just a thought. All that matters is this moment. And like, I got really into that and I was like, hold on. Like I figured out the whole the, the <laughs> life and all this stuff. And you know, you think you're like discovering all these things that are already being discovered a million times over, but like, it was just the most profound experience. And I felt like my granny was like laughing at me going, what are you guilty about you Egypt? You know, like I just felt like all this like pure, just presence. What I'm always working on on my yoga mat is just to be present with my breath. And I do do that. And I, and I, my yoga obviously helps that. And it's so important to have a grounding practice along with this experience. And I don't know if I would have had as good of experience if I didn't go into it kind of at least even skeptically setting an attention, mm -hmm. but, um, it was just, it was unbelievable. And it stayed with me and it stayed with me. It actually stayed with me for a few weeks. And then I kind of got kicked off my high horse. I like to say, because I started to, kind of question well was that is was that really what I thought it was you know and then the things yeah. mind the egoic mind started to kind of like eat at me again but I haven't mentioned this yet <laughs> I don't know if people <laughs> want to know or I don't know how much people you know I also have to be careful because I am on a green card here but you know what I don't care like these are not bad substances they shouldn't be we shouldn't be afraid to talk about them yeah. Uh, I got super curious and I have had a few LSD experiences since and they have yeah. nothing short of the best days of my life. Okay. Yeah. Like, uh, just if, if you have time to hear the, the funniest story, um, go for it. Sure. Not but time. <laughs> funniest story for me anyway, or the, the, one of the more, more funny experiences was, um, we had been quarantining. This was this year. Yeah. This was this year. Jesus time is so weird. Uh, so that first first experience in February was before Corona, and I really feel like it really prepared me for Corona, you know, because I went into quarantine going, whoa, I just don't have, I've been working two jobs, like hustling in Chicago, and I was like, lost with all my jobs. I was like, okay, I have nothing but time. I have nothing but time yeah. to study this, the yoga, I have nothing but time to study yoga now, and I was just delighted. So... We broke our quarantine, not broke it, but my, my, my husband's brother was, is an artist, he's a musician, and he was staying in a, 
a monastery in mm, Wisconsin. Okay, that's the only information he gave us. He's like, hey guys, I'm in a monastery in Wisconsin if you want to visit. And we were like, okay, cool. We hadn't seen anybody, we hadn't done anything. So we were like, let's do it. And this was like June. And at this point I had um, completed a death doula certificate. So that's also, I feel like the LSD made me realize that death isn't all that scary. You know, nope. <laughs> death is just another part of life. Death is actually a very big part of life that we've ignored. Um, and that is what I feel like the LSD really helped me understand that death has been a constant companion in my life. My dad died when I was young and I never, I was, I was never given the tools to grieve that. And like around that time I started drinking as well. So I really kind of think I was, I, I never learned how to even enjoy myself without alcohol. Never, never even gave yeah. myself a chance. So we went to this monastery anyway. And he wasn't lying. It was literally a monastery in the middle of Wisconsin, this huge, not functioning monastery now, but it was like a hundred plus dorm monastery. And we pull up and I'm like, what the fuck? He wasn't joking. And it was just us in this monastery, me, my husband and, and his brother. And I was like, what is this place? And like this place would have freaked me out in the past because it was like a monastery. I'm not super, I'm not religious at all. Yeah. Graveyards. I was like, oh, this place is kind of weird. But as soon as I entered it, all I can say is it had this really nice energy. I was like, this is really cool. I don't feel any kind of, I don't feel scared here at all. So that we stayed there the first night, just the three of us chatting and all that. And then the next day I was like, I think I really want to trip here. So I brought, I had brought some LSD and they didn't want to do it with me, but I really wanted to just try it. Just in this beautiful, like this beautiful energy that I felt in this place. I was like, this would be a great place to do this. So I took the tab. I know this sounds to me, I wouldn't even, I would say if someone told me this story, you're talking shite. But anyway, I took the tab and it's lovely. And you know, obviously the thinking mind comes out again. And I'm, I'm like, oh, all about the now. I'm, I, I, get, I, get, I get thrown into the present moment. And I'm like, how can we, how can we make this accessible to everybody? Not just the substance, but this idea of the present moment. And I'm here like, can we create an equation for the now and all this stuff? And then I go to the bathroom and like, I, I'd heard, don't look in the mirror. Don't look in the mirror when you're, when you're tripping. But I was like, I don't want to look in the mirror. So I look and I, I go up to the mirror and I see my whole face dissolve. And I see my skeleton in front of me. I'm like, cool, I'm just going to keep watching. And then in front of me, my granny appears and she smiles at me. And then she kind of goes and she turns this thing I'm seeing in the mirror turns into my best friend and she smiles at me and my mother comes and then like this scary this really distorted figure comes and I'm just like whoa and then it turns into this like really nice nice looking thing I can't explain what they were but, like I was just like looking in the mirror going I was just like whoa I am only me because of all you I am only me because of all you and that was that was I understood that I am yeah. only who I am because of every person I've met in my life. They're, they're, that's it. There's no other explanation for it. And I went out and I told them, Jesus, I saw, I, I told them what I saw. And they were like, well, that's so cool. You know, they were, they were just chilling. They weren't making a big deal about anything. And I was like, wow, that was so amazing. And then the day passed and it like started to dwindle down a little bit. And I, I got an opportunity to meet the man who now owns this monastery. And I was like, 
this is such a weird story. Like, how, what the hell is going on here? And it turns out this guy, he's a young man, um, had been kind of gifted the monastery from these monks because they don't need the big space anymore. There's not so many monks, so they have their small little place. And he's created this artist haven there. And I started to tell him the story of how I thought, like, I really think I saw my granny, like, during my LSD trip and all this stuff. And he was like, oh, yeah. He's like, you are not the first person to say that. And he starts telling the stories of all, not even, I'm not talking just on LSD, just about how this, this monastery seems to be a very, like, in-between realm, kind of, where spooky or whatever things kind of seem to happen. And he yeah. told me that the, the priest that the movie The Exorcist is based on, like The Exorcist from the priest, like his, that's a true, based on a true story and that real <laughs> died there. And I'm like, of course Ooh. he did. <laughs> and I'm like telling him the story about how I just did this death course and how I think like we need to like reshape um, how we speak about death and like make a part of life and all this stuff. And he's just like, it's the first person I've got to talk about my death doula work stuff with. And as I'm telling him about my granny and all that, I get hungry and I run down to the kitchen to get food. And as I'm walking back with my food, I just step on a miraculous medal. And I'm sure you know what a miraculous medal is. Like my granny was always giving me miraculous medals. And I was like, picked yeah. it up and I went down. And I was like, does this belong to anybody? And they're like, no, nope, that's your granny. She's just saying, hey. <laughs> and I was oh. like, whoa. You know? Yeah. So that's powerful. It, it, it's it's a, such a powerful substance. And like, I don't think, it, I, I don't even think it should be just for therapeutic use. It should be mm. for the common folk too, to just get us out of this conditioned mind we have that's because that's what it is all our anxieties all our depressions are just shoulda woulda couldas all of these things that don't serve us yeah. at all you know yeah i think the, the big problem at the moment uh certainly here in ireland anyway is that uh if you were to talk about your experience and uh try to talk about it that it was therapeutic for you um it's just very much disregarded you know in, in ireland like any illegal drug use is seen as to be addictive and destructive behavior by the individual mm -hmm. um and it's just wrong like we, we can see things changing now and I, and I hope we see the the, the positive uh, benefits of these changes come forward but it, the, the conversation in ireland is still very much back in that uh, stone age um we've some dinosaurs in power here but you know i have massive hope i have massive hope because my mother is 70 which doesn't mind me saying that it's the truth and she's super curious about all of this, you know, she, she has let go of her preconceived ideas because she knows who I am, you know, she knows I'm not here. I'm not here to promote anything I think is harmful for anybody. Like the very first principle yeah. of yoga is ahimsa, which means non-harm, like non-violence. I, I, I wouldn't be saying anything about these things if I thought they were dangerous. But no. of course, I, mean, I would like to add the set and setting is parallel. Yeah. But yeah, exactly but like oh yeah like anything though these are tools to be used and like you, you said like, that these it's not that these things aren't dangerous it's just that the way in which they could be abused could be dangerous but uh even lsd mushrooms it's very hard to abuse these because there's mechanisms that get uh triggered i suppose when you're under the influence of them which will kind of steer you away from self-destructive behavior that could go on with say opiate drugs or alcohol and other kind of more destructive drugs you know psilocybin lsd ayahuasca these are not drugs that can be abused these like i wouldn't even like i don't like calling them drugs these are plant medicines these are tools gifted yeah gifted to us by the universe whoever is the the creator the designer of all this these are amazing gifts and uh 
geez, we're doing an incredible disservice to humanity by having them illegal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely crazy. Um, you, you see the studies, you talked about them there earlier. I, I done a report on, um, on the end of life anxiety trials there for psilocybin up in Canada. Mm-hmm. And uh, just the, the evidence that's coming out of there. It's like, I, I still can't understand how when, when you're given um, a terminal diagnosis, that the very next question coming after that is, would you like to sit down with a therapist and have some LSD or mushrooms or one of these other substances that can help you come to terms with this mortality that you're now faced with? Mm-hmm. Like it's, oh, it, it just it really annoys me deep down knowing what I know, um, that there's just not something I can go and do to help all of these people who could benefit from it mm-hmm. other than what I'm doing right now, which is talking to you and helping to get this message out there. Too, you know? And like, I am also super frustrated that because uh, I really am passionate about changing the, the conversation around death, because I think a lot of our fears come from a fear of death or a death denial almost as if we're going to live forever. And all these things we want to do, we get them done eventually, you know, eventually yeah. I have this done, I'll do it. But like when you face death in the eyes and you realize you, it, you're, you're always equal pegging life and death. You know, there's no future. It's always, at, at, it could be right now, you know? And that's not so scary if you use it to kind of help, help you do the things you want to do, get rid of, block, uh, break through, free of your block, blocks, basically. Yeah. You know, and that's what it is. And like, even myself, uh, I wouldn't have done this interview with you in a million years a few months ago. No way. I would have been too afraid uh not enough confidence and all that and i really really genuinely believe that they've given me the confidence i needed you know to to, i don't know what i'm going to do i want to just be the voice of awareness that's all i can do i can't Mm -hmm. i'm not forcing this on anybody but like you just said you said it beautifully like when you know what you know you want to share it but you also have to a delicate balance of also not blaming anyone for, for what they don't know because you can't know what you don't know you know it is and yeah. I, I i'm not a religious person at all but like just with all this reading i'm doing of, of course catholicism comes into play it shaped the world we're in basically you know in a lot of ways unfortunately but like jesus himself i believe was a really true yogi because you know he he understood all of this and he was like Forgive them for they know not what they do. The people who were killing him, he was like, forgive them. They don't know. They're unconscious. That's what it is. You know, they're, they're just not, they don't know. They yeah. think you're right. Just like Trump thinks he's right. You know, I'm trying to have some compassion for this man right now. Uh, and it's just like, he, he's, he's trapped in his mind too. Yeah, very much so. It's interesting that you brought up the Bible there. I had um, a conversation there the other day with uh, Danny Nemu. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Um, he's a kind of philosopher, researcher, uh, does a lot of work on the Bible. Um, but he talks a lot about um, drugs in the Bible and how the Bible and the way in which it's worded, it's uh, twisted a little bit. Um, and and in, in a kind of a sneaky way, again, you know, um, there's, there's a lot of substance use in the Bible and um, a lot of stories in the Bible that you can relate back to substance use, like as... Like when you see angels or demons, when you're having these kind of mystical experiences, um, we kind of know that you you don't really have them in the day to day unless there's a substance involved. So, (laughs) absolutely, absolutely. I I totally believe, totally believe all of these ancient civilizations had their own Mm. form of this. In yoga, in yoga philosophy, they called it soma, 
the nectar yeah. of life. Even in Ireland, Ishkabaha whiskey, but it's, it's, it was maybe not like a psychedelic, but it was mind-altering. You know, pre-Catholicism in Ireland, they definitely knew how to use those mushrooms. Are you kidding me? They, of course. Oh, for sure. Of course they knew. You, you look at all the uh, kind of uh, ancient sites around Ireland, they're some of the best spots to pick mushrooms. And just like, you know, when you look where the High King located his castle, like it was. <laughs> that's, and that's why I want to move home so much, because I didn't even know until I got on to a, a, girl who, a woman who lives in Ireland and she's a yogi. And, you know, she, she introduced me to the Celtic school of yoga. They're based in Galway. And like our ancient Irish philosophy is almost not identical, but super close to yoga philosophy. Oh, they, like, they have, oh do you hear me? I know. <laughs> Hi. Oh, I think I might have lost you there for a second. <laughs> That's my connection there. That's telling me my internet's unstable for some reason. Um, am I back? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're coming back there now. Yeah. Where did I get a cut bit off? Jittery. Um, just as you were about to start telling me your story there a few seconds ago. I think about I was, uh, the Celtic Galway yeah. yoga guys. Yeah, yeah. The, the Irish, the ancient Irish philosophy has a lot of similar gods and goddesses as the yoga philosophy has. Like they, obviously they, they weren't connected in any way, but all these ancient traditions had something that was helping them see something. We'll just put it that way. I yeah, there, that. There's, there's a connected consciousness definitely that goes on across the, the whole of the, the globe, I suppose. I think there was a good study there that looked at, um, was it a troops of monkeys and uh, a troop of monkey on one island learned how to do a certain behavior or task. I can't remember, was it using a, a certain tool? And not long afterwards, the monkeys that weren't connected to the monkeys on that island learned it on a completely different island. And uh, the, it's the, uh, I can't think of what the term was. It's your man, um, geez, cognitive resonance or something like that. Um, I think that's the term there. But it's just basically that uh, when, if, if I learn something here, it'll be easier for another human somewhere else to learn it then because. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm, you know who's doing I'm, great work? Russell Brand is doing so much good stuff. He's talking to so many like, me, uh, um, what is, uh, quantum physicists Meta and metaphysicists. Yeah. <laughs> I think religion has done such a disservice in the way it's explained things because I do believe deep yeah. down like religion understands something that's very positive, mm -hmm. something that's very beneficial for us all. But then when you attach it to a dogma of a almighty God, it, it doesn't do anyone any yeah. service. Like we are all, we're all experiencing the universe from our perspective, yeah. you know? Yeah. And we are all important, each and every human. Doesn't matter exactly, how much money yeah. you doesn't matter what you do. Your life's purpose is not your career. Your life's purpose is to live uh, it in the present moment. Yeah, I, uh, something again, just to go back to Danny Nemo, is what he said about the, uh, the opening part of the Bible. It was uh, in the beginning, God created uh, the heavens and the earths, I think is what the, uh, the translation in the Bible is. But he said it could also be translated to in the head is created God and you are the heavens and the earth that you like so it's very empowering to the individual in that translation whereas 
the the actual translation that is there in all of the Bibles, it's very disempowering to the individual reading it because it uh, it makes you believe that something like God is something external to you, rather than actually you know God is within each and every one of us. God again, I hate using that word; it's a very tainted word, but like whatever is this essence, the spirit, this life force that flows through us, like it's a uh, it's something all of us have. Yep. And it's not something external to us at all, no, <laughs> sadly. What I need to do, and I'm reading all these texts, because obviously, like, yoga texts use the word God, too, because, mm-hmm. like, Allah, God, like, it's all just a word for this. Yeah. God. <laughs> um, I changed it in my own mind when I was reading it to now. Like, because God oh, okay. is now, right? Now, mm-hmm. if God is everything, then God is now. And that mm-hmm. just means that every this is present moment is, if God is all there is, then that makes sense. This is all there is. Yeah. And like, when I started to practice this, before I had done the LSD, I had like really, I was really determined to like, I get what, because I, I don't know if you know Iker Tolle, he's an author of The Power of Now. Um, his his message is now, just concentrate on the now. And like, that's all, I used to be like, that's all well and good, but I have lots of stuff to worry about. I can't be <laughs> on the now. But when I started to actually practice it, like as in, when you're washing your hands, wash your hands. Don't be thinking about drying your hands, just wash your hands then what dry your hands you know and like it's a practice like everything in life is a practice to practice being now that's what yoga is for yoga is a practice in being present with your breath like you said prana your life force you know and i'm not saying everyone needs to be going out doing lsd or everyone needs to be going out doing cannabis it doesn't suit everybody and that's fine there are other methods there's natural methods because when you're in these meditative states when you're in these deep states you you secrete dmt you know (laughs) Yep. So, yeah. So. Yeah, and and the body has uh, an anatomine, which is basically the natural form of THC. It's the bliss mm-hmm. molecule of the body. Mm-hmm. So, and we can boost this by even just going for a jog. A jog just boosts the anatomine in the body, which in turn, like it makes you the runner's high. They say. Yeah. But like sitting, being meditating for 10, 15 minutes, that focus that awareness, that also releases those kind of compounds, these neurotransmitters that are feel-good compounds. Absolutely. And yeah. it, it's amazing, you know, and it's stuff we weren't, I, I certainly was never taught growing up. I was never given any of these tools and that's nobody's fault. It just wasn't, it wasn't part of society we were in. And I think that's kind of our jobs now is just to, to create the awareness around it and make it accessible to everybody. I. I'm not having kids. I don't want kids. So I'm like, uh, I want people to just be happy. I know people are so, so warranted with the year 2020, but people are depressed. People are deeply unhappy and feeling like they've lost everything. And a lot of people have lost everything, you know? It's a really yeah. hard place to get out of if you're not given any help. If you're not getting, and like, we are all so connected. And I think that's what the LSD does. It makes you realize just we're all connected. Like, we're, there's a, it's just a web. We're all connected by the web. And mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of them out there. There's one that I'd really want to try, actually. It's the Wachuma, the San Pedro cactus. Wow. I'd love to, to do a ceremony with that because it's supposed to be one of the real... Um, the, the real plant medicines to make it and just completely in love with the earth and everything to do with it. Uh, it's supposed to be just a real heart opener. Um, mm-hmm. So that's something I'm really excited to do. Um, I haven't tried it yet, 
think it, like, I could count my LSD experiences on one hand. Uh, I think I've had three LSD experiences and I've had maybe four DMT experiences. Mm. And that's something I wanted to bring in, because uh, my very first uh, psychedelic experience was DMT. Mm. And before that, I used to suffer an awful lot with anxiety of death. At nighttime, I used to lie awake at nighttime. I have two daughters myself, and uh, I used to always worry things like, geez, what if we they don't end up in heaven with me? You know, things like this. I'm just like... a, a and in an eternity without them, I was like, how could I call that heaven? I was like, that would be a hill, actually. And uh, all of these kind of weird thoughts would come up. But um, a year of research on DMT, like reading all sorts of trip reports, reading books, watching documentaries, I finally made it myself uh, at home. And yeah. I tried it. And I, yeah, I had a breakthrough <laughs> experience. And honestly, that, that one night, that one experience, and uh, I didn't try it again for about a year and a half afterwards. And uh, I never once had a, a, an anxiety about that. I, I never once had a sleepless night with thoughts of that since then. And that's, that was eight years ago now, nearly. That's beautiful. Like, Thank you for sharing with that. I mean, who doesn't want that for everyone else they love? Who doesn't want there that? There you go. You know? I mean, yeah. I am, I'm really, I'm, like I said, I'm doing this death doula stuff. And I'm, I'm talking to a lot of people right now and interviewing people just so I can figure out how I'm going to market myself in this yeah this work and we all have the same fears yeah we all have the same anxieties and especially for someone who's being diagnosed just to experience it's i think i i'm not sure i'm not i'm not great with all the terminology but like it's it's a form mm. of ego death right die before yeah. you die that's what Eckhart Tolle used to say die before you die and i'm like what the fuck does he mean by that um and it's just dying to your egoic self you know let go of all the labels of who you think you are like energy yeah. can't be destroyed. Like yes, this physical body will go, but there's yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm I was a I'd like to call myself an agnostic atheist for most of my life, but now I'm like, no, nah, I think I think there's more to come. I don't know what it is, but I, I I'm not too afraid anymore. I'm just like whatever happens happens, and I think it's always now. So if it's always now. It'll always be now. <laughs> it'll always be now. Even that moment when you go to die, like that's why I think it's so important for people because what people don't realize is death is a labor, just like birth is a labor. You know, there's a labor of birth. It's very yeah. hard for the woman. There's a labor of death. You, if you have anything left over, any uh, existential fears or dreads, they, they are going to come to you at that point. I, I'm beginning to believe that's the judgment day. It's not God, yeah. or a mighty figure. It's you. It's you. Yeah. Your own judgment of yourself, all the stress, <laughs> all the shit that you do, wish you did. And, and I'm so grateful. And I know not everyone is in the same position that I have been in. And I'm very privileged to have been able to live a life. And I, I can only call it the grace of God. What else can I say? What gave me the courage to do these things by myself? I was just this small little girl, I guess, when I was 20, 21. I was like, I want to travel. I want to see the world. And I just did it. I didn't do it with anybody. I can't take credit for that. That wasn't. Yeah. I can't take credit for anything I've ever done in my life. It just kind of happened. <laughs> You know, happen when you align yourself. And I find now that I'm like, I feel so passionate for the first time in my life, my life ever. I never had this going to university. I had no fucking clue what I wanted to do with my life ever until now. And now I'm 30 going, okay, this is why I'm here. It's just to be in the present moment. And that sounds so simplistic, but the more you align with the present moment, the more the universe just kind of works on your side. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I'd agree with you. I think something you said a few minutes ago is uh, a while back is important as well as that. Like this, these aren't for everybody. But when you have the experience, it's, it's very hard not to want everybody to have the experience. It's like, but um, again, to talk about the Danny Nemo, something we talked about, it's like, uh, I think the best way in which you can relay this message to people is just go out there, be the best you that you can be. And in turn, like as somebody might say to you like, oh, geez, you're very happy. Like, oh, what, what is it? Like, uh, what, what is it that so, makes you so happy? And then that's then your opportunity to tell them rather than going out and saying, hey, you should do LSD, you should do this, it's amazing. Yeah. No, go out and sh just like be yourself, be your good, happy self. And uh, if a person asks you the question, how is it that you can be this way? Then is the opportunity to say, well, there's these experiences I had and they opened me up to this new way of thinking. <laughs> and uh, yeah, because I, I think like, um, you, you can come across a bit negative, I suppose, if you can be, you can be very pushy with these things as well. Yeah, and uh, that that can put barriers up to people. Mm -hmm. So I think it's it's best to let people find these things themselves. Right. Like we're we're here having this conversation now. We're talking about this, and people listening, if if they're curious enough, they know themselves that they're curious enough. We're not telling them to go do it. Exactly. We're only sharing our experiences, mm -hmm. sharing our stories, and uh, I think that's the best thing we can really do is uh, mm -hmm. let it down to other people to decide. Um, but I I definitely do think that so many people could benefit from this but only they can know themselves if they will or not, set and set. Absolutely. And you know, it's, yeah. it is a hard line to, to balance on because <laughs> you really do want to shout from the rooftop. <laughs> you I, do. I really question, should I share this or should I not? But you know what? I think we, we are obviously seeing a massive collective energy change right now, even here in America since the election, like you can feel it. Like the, the, the tension in the air was undescribable here for a few weeks. You know, it was just so heavy. And I'm not even American, you know, I, I but I live here and I, I'm definitely an immigrant here. And I, uh, I've i seen America through the lens of an immigrant in a way, you know, and I, I'm in the position here now where I don't have insurance. If anything happens to me, I'm not, I can't pay this, these ridiculous bills, all of, but I don't care. I'm not worried about that now. You know, where's that, that, that when I first moved to America, I was like, how am I going to survive here? Learning how the system works. I was like, Ireland's just so different to this. And I know Ireland has its flaws, but Ireland looks after its people. <laughs> Even though I, I think it might be hard for Irish people to, to understand that, but compared to here, I think Ireland's a nice little place. You know, like you're not coming out with $500,000 hospital bill if you're in there yeah. for a few days you know yeah it might be expensive and it might be hard to pay but it's not like bankruptcy yeah are indebted with student debt for 40 30 years debt. yeah like that i was moving here going i was hearing all my peers people my own age swallowed in debt and i was like why is this normal like this was, I was like, why is this so normal so i think we're seeing the beginnings of a hopefully a new way of living and a new way like getting well i don't think it take a long time for america to get away from capitalism but hopefully hopefully that other places can see that america is a great country but it's not don't follow it for word for word you know like figure stuff out yourself and i think ireland would just be the perfect country to legalize cannabis legalize these uh, these plant medicines like you said i'm not mm. saying go ahead and make i know such a crying shame that they've all been classified as type a drugs here <laughs> like yeah. so different so like it's it's hard for people to dis distinguish between them but like legalize these plant medicines ireland is known 
everyone who meets me and hears my accent, Ireland is loved yep. throughout the world. We're known as the country for the thousand welcomes. We're the, the saints and the scholars, like, let us go talk about make America great again. Let Ireland go back to its roots and allow people to feel happy and get away from the alcohol dependency. Like we glorify alcohol and I'm not saying everyone shouldn't drink, but like we make it a joke. We make the fear a joke. And it's like, it's not a joke. People are killing themselves. People are depressed. Stop this, putting it on a pedestal. And like, I, I feel like a hypocrite saying that because I was the baddest influence on all my friends, you know, growing up. And I have a lot, I, I have to blame, I'm not blame, but like I had a part in it and I played a part in it for a long time. And I also tried to push people to drink because obviously I was just uncomfortable with them not drinking. I want them to be on the same wavelength yeah. as me. And like, I, I remember one of my friends in particular and she never ever drank and she wasn't one of my friends in, in college. And I used to always be like, why aren't you drinking? Like putting so much pressure on her. And I'm like, oh, that was so mean of me, you know? That probably made her feel like shit. And I shouldn't have done that. You know, and like uh, saying no to a drink here, it's hard. People don't yeah. accept the first no. And it's like, what <laughs> is struggling, struggling alcoholic? And like, I really want that drink and you're pushing it on me. Accept people's no's. Just, yeah. just try at least. You know, we have to set boundaries. Yeah, I think uh, Ireland's drinking culture, I don't know, does it stem from um, a kind of a damaged psyche of our society? Like uh, the the repression that went on here over the you know the, the colonialism with the, the British and all of that stuff and uh, I I think um, when I don't know the, the troubles kind of started to end I think that the Irish kind of lost their fight for for a while like they just wanted to drink have a chat and like that was it the troubles are over now like uh, and yeah I, I definitely think there's a repression that goes on there with the the drinking where they don't want to address like some of the problems that are actually out there mm-hmm. and uh yeah i definitely think that that'll be a big one to change if, if we were to change the, our drug laws here mm-hmm. i think giving people the the alternative to alcohol of offering something like cannabis like and uh i, I think that will do so tremendous benefits to, to our uh, society unbelievable i think honest exactly like you said i'm not trying to take alcohol away from anybody but just give people the option to try something else and like the education around it is just so important and okay. breaking the stigmas and breaking the taboos. And that's like you said, yeah. you said I was like, well, how do we do this? And you're just like, talk, you know, yeah. <laughs> just talk about it. And, and that's it. Cause it took yeah. me a few years to really be like, okay, this isn't bad. You know, it's not bad. This is a medicine. Now this year has been the year where I'm like, it's not only not bad, it's actually the earth trying its best to help yeah. us. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I think if anything is bad, it's just the fact that we ban them. That's that's the real bad thing in in it. Mm-hmm. Um, that the prohibition is is the the real source of the evil when it comes to these problem drugs, as they call them. Mm-hmm. That the only problem is that they're prohibited. <laughs> really is. Um, they, they they talk there about um. I think is it uh Lyrica and some of these other pharmaceutical drugs. Like they they're much harder for people to to kick yeah. than some of these illegal drugs. And and that's with the stigma not existing there around those drugs. So if you found yourself addicted to one of these drugs, it's fine. You can kind of talk to your doctor about it and that's okay. But if you were addicted to something like, I don't know, cocaine, you're, you're probably not going to go and talk to your doctor about it. So health would be a bit more out of reach for, for them. 
Okay. Um, I, I, well, I want to ask you some questions there just um, about Oregon and, and stuff there. So you said there's uh, some stores about maybe five minutes away from you. Um, how, what's that like? Uh, because for someone like me, it's so alien to be, you know. Um, you know, like everything, it loses its, like, it loses the wow factor yeah. very fast. It's just so normal. It, it, it really is. And it's, it's, they're super cool, you know, you can get all sorts yeah. of everything. Um, I'm a kind of, I think I'm a more of an edible fan now. Um, Cause I don't, I never smoked. So I just like edibles and there's such an array out there of great, great stuff, you know, super okay, cool. yeah. and it's all regulated. I guess you could say that it's expensive perhaps, but it's cheaper here than, cause Chicago, <laughs> the first of, January this year, Chicago legalized. So we were like, yeah, right. we're in a legal stage all of a sudden, because we were definitely smoking there or taken well before it was legal. <laughs> uh, but again, that feeling of it's legal now. I don't have to like pretend I'm not doing this and I can talk about it. That was awesome. And I resisted this move to Oregon. Like, I can't tell you, I didn't want to move here. I knew my brother actually lives here and that's why we, we ended up moving here because my brother was able to get my husband a job. So that. Uh, that's yeah. what happened. But I just was like, nope, I'm not moving. I love Chicago. I want to move home. That's where my mind was. I'm going home. I'm not, not moving in America again. But yeah. like I just told you, the way things align when you allow them, I'm after landing in the death, most death positive stage in America where they're after legalizing psilocybin. I'm just like, wow, I'm meant, I'm meant to be here to learn, to hopefully yeah. transmute that home. That's kind of where I'm at now. I'm like, I have a plan. I have big plans that will involve a lot of money but I, and I don't know where that's going to come from but I trust that this is going to legalize and it's going to legalize faster than people think because there's so much shit happening here like uh, California might be just about to normalize everything as well so it's a knock-on effect it's let let's let's get away from these bad knock-on effects which we've seen in history where there's war and hate and blah 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 let's make these positive knock-on effects happen and I think yeah. I, I, I love this saying I just came across it recently but America is a change in perspective it is not some mystical thing LSD helps you change your perspective because you see things undeniably for the first time and all of a sudden you have a new perspective and that's all America mm -hmm. so I, I believe it can happen Brilliant. Yeah, I look forward to it, hopefully, <laughs> sooner rather than later. I know, maybe um, I'm too enthusiastic, but I'm like, it's not, it, why the hell is it illegal? It's crazy, uh, you know? Joe, Joe really makes me think that um, it's, this is going to happen soon, just because the, the government refused to even engage in any conversation around it. So here in Ireland, we have our health minister, uh, Stephen Donnelly, in 2017, he's been quoted and admitting that he used cannabis and that he, he supports the idea of it being legal. Um, I think the quote was that, uh, why should a person be arrested and criminalized for growing a plant? He said this. He's now our health minister and the man has said zero, nada, zilch. Like, and our patients are still aren't getting access through the medicinal cannabis access program. He was only asked recently about it and he gave a very similar answer to what was given about a year ago. And it's, it's basically a money matter. Oh, they, they can't get the medicine to the patients because of a money matter, but it's not a money matter. It's a prohibition matter because if prohibition wasn't there, someone like me with an honors degree in herbal science, I could 
set up a company, start growing the cannabis, start uh, and analyzing it and start taking patients on, start doing research. So the problem isn't money at all. Like the problem is our, our policies, the, the, the ignorant politicians. And uh, I think the silence of the many out there then as well, sadly, uh, there's just so many people who, for, for very valid reasons, they stay silent to, to protect themselves, protect jobs, protect yeah. family. There, there's so much to be lost by speaking out. But for me, I, I just believe that uh, there's so much more to be lost by remaining silent. Exactly. So. I, and that's what happened to me this year. I was like, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. These are medicines that have helped me so much, you know, so much. I, I wouldn't have been bothered to delve into this stuff if my curiosity hadn't been sparked. So I thank them for that. You know, I, yeah. I genuinely believe that they've played a massive part in where I am now. And I also could just keep quiet, especially about the psilocybin, and especially because that's really new, and that might be the first time people are ever hearing about this. And I'm like, no, I'm going to just speak about it because, like I said, I'm, I'm just, I'm just this kind of normal person yeah. who just, you know, I'm not, I'm not, yeah. I'm not out to harm anybody. And I think it's like starting with the small town, like the small town in Ireland. My mother is so super open. She knows all of this. I wouldn't talk to you if I. She'd be my only, my worst critic. She's not my worst critic, but she'd be the only one I'd be worried about. Yeah. Me of this stuff, and she knows. So I'm like, well, who else am I afraid to tell? Yeah. You know, and she's super proud of me. She's like, yeah, you do it. <laughs> she doesn't know really like uh, the ins and outs of it. But she's like, yeah, just keep going with whatever you feel like making you feel this. Yeah. And it, it well, is. That's, that's all the validation you needed then, really. <laughs> it really You're was. Supporter. <laughs> it really was. So I, yeah. believe, I believe we're going to see massive change in the next few years. Uh, obviously, um, evolution takes time and we can we can we can see that the chaos of the last four years especially in, in america has really catapulted this change because evolution happens through change you know if we stay in our comfort zones we're not going to change it always takes some big life shitty thing that you think is the worst thing in the world like for me all these moves that i'm like no i don't want to move and you resist and you resist and you resist but then as soon as you accept like it's always fine <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it takes time yeah you know, everything uh it takes time patience is a virtue isn't it <laughs> patience is a virtue and it's not something i um naturally have so yeah. <laughs> that's what i'm working on I'm, I'm working on my my patience and just allowing this all to happen without trying to get yeah. too worked up did, did you get the, the vote in the ballot there? No, you didn't. No, your I boyfriend did, though. Or your husband, sorry. Yeah, he did. And he kept his vote in Texas, even though they weren't able to turn it blue. But, like, he wanted his vote to count in Texas. So that was great. Um, okay. But I did what I could. You know, I was like, I'm like, how can I help? I can't vote. So I was, like, out campaigning for Measure 109. As soon as I realized I could do that, I'm like, well, yeah, I can at least yeah. do that. And I'm so, like, I didn't care. After I heard that passed, I, I did care a lot. But I, I didn't so much care what happened in the presidency because mm. I was like, this is the change we need. This is the yeah. first step. And, like, when you see these big companies like Dr. Bronner, I don't know if you know that. that, that I company, do, yeah. He's amazing. Awesome, amazing guy. And I've really been, like, attending all the psychedelic workshops I can and, like, these psilocybin summits. And uh, I've met. I've met people who I can talk to about my psychedelic experience. And even this conversation with you just really makes, it's just so, 
it's nice. <laughs> it's just nice to have these more these deeper conversations about things that can create real change, you know? Yeah. So, sorry, I think we both yeah. in there. Yeah, there was uh, somebody just trying to ring me there, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and on my phone here, so I don't know how to turn off phone calls coming through. <laughs> yeah, um, it's exciting. Could, you got the campaign, so uh, on that measure to get people to support it. Uh, it was something I got to do before with uh, the Students for Sensible Drug Policy. Um, it was back in 2016, I think it was. We, we got to do uh, phone banking. I done that from CIT actually. It was really cool. We sat in a room in CIT, had a computer, and we were able to like just go into this program that the SSDP set up, and we could ring voters in the, the that area um, to, to vote on the initiative. Like, and uh, it was really cool. It's something we don't get to do here. We have to go bloody door to door in Ireland when we're out looking for votes. But um, what, what was the messaging? No, it, was door -to -door. Like? it was door to door for me too. Oh, was it door to door? Yeah, to, oh, door okay. Yeah. But um, yeah. I was just like, fuck it. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm prepared to do it, you know, why not? Why not? Yeah. But I do what, think what was, Sorry, go what ahead. was the message like from the guys arguing against the campaign, the, the anti-side? Oregon is such a progressive state. I really, I, I don't think they were all that worried it wasn't gonna pass, yeah. to be honest. Okay. You know, a lot of these medicines are in use probably anyway, yeah. you know? It's just yeah. regulating it and, um reaching the people who need it most because mm -hmm. like I said the people who've tried it they know what it is like i'm not yeah. going to do it again i don't ever i would love to do like i would love to get a ceremony now my next experience will definitely be a ceremony with an actual shaman or something like that but i'm in no rush yeah. you know i'm in absolutely no rush uh but like i, I don't think there was anyone i i didn't hear the argument against it to be honest other yeah, than I, I... just worry about regulation I guess I don't know yeah, yeah. I, I tried to look it up I thought there might have been some funny videos you know these prohibitionists they love to come out with the this is your brain on drugs you know with the the crack and the frying egg you know and uh, <laughs> um, but no there was nothing and I think that's a good thing it goes to show that the the prohibitionists are finding it very hard now to argue against regulation and ending these uh these the silly prohibition See, we have to take into consideration that we are in the technological age. You know, this is probably what this, this period in time is going to be looked back on. And yeah. we've seen, like, through programs like The Social Dilemma and all of these things that we're just getting so much misinformation and it's really easy to get misinformation. It's easy to spread it. It's even more easy than the truth. But awareness, again, is key. When you know that, you know that there's truths to be found as well. And the truth is out there and there's a way of knowing what's true from what's wrong. And I think the prohibitioners are gonna find it harder and harder to get their little niches because you can find the truth right now. You have a device that's yeah. the truth if you want, but your algorithm is gonna be based on what you look up. And you have to realize that your phone is also a mirror of you and make mm. it a fun place to be. Don't make it a place that's like, adding to your mental clutter like make it a place of education that's i love scrolling i'm a scroller i scroll a lot but it's always like oh yeah that. and i'm like trying to like gain as much information as i can yeah i, I try to not to too much scrolling because uh I, I can get so interested in things and um like like yourself you now when i go scrolling it is productive there is a uh, a, a means to it like but sometimes like it could be two hours later and i'm oh, like yeah. should no, have I spent the last I'm two not, hours i'm not saying everyone should be scrolling forever because i i know i spent yeah. like, it's been like my screen time is ridiculous it's gross yeah. actually but um 
yeah i think it's it's a tool like everything and it's just going to be harder for those people to deny these especially when there's just i think normal people talking about it like we're not hippies we're not crazy like we just want everyone to feel good that's that's mm -hmm. all i want and that's what i when i was on the lsd i was like that was that was that was what was really like amplified for me how do i serve how can i be of help like what is my purpose that was all i could think about and i was like I genuinely just want to help people and I don't have any like degree in in psychology or I don't have any degree in like law or anything that like is um easy to see how you can help someone I can say but yeah you know I don't have a service in that way but I'm like I can find my own or build my own path to that whatever that will be yeah exactly you don't really need a piece of paper to kind of just say you're qualified for something um I think that the fact that you want to help that says you're qualified to me anyway <laughs> so yeah let's i'm i'm so excited i really think i i want to stay in the u.s for one more year to get my uh to get my citizenship so that yeah. i'm free then to move back and forth um and then i'm like by that time who who knows how much this is going to progress in the next year you yeah. know who knows i just i just hope whatever political turmoil is still in the works here with trump i know he's up to stuff, <laughs> but like Hopefully he just like leaves, we forget about him and we move on with yeah. this new earth. That's what Iker Tolle's, one of his books is so, sounds so, so woo-woo. It's titled A New Earth, Awakening to Your Life's Purpose. And now that sounds like, to me, I was like, mm, okay, I'll try. But it's just like this new earth he's talking about is a collective consciousness expansion, like collectively. We all have to, we're all, globalization is massive now. You know, we're all way more connected than we've ever been. And like, nobody is the enemy. Stop making China out to be the enemy. Stop even making the UK out to be the enemy. Like, we, no one causes harm unless they're hurting themselves, you know? Yeah. And that is something we don't understand. And like, that's how we understand empathy. And like, these substances can really help your empathy, like, come out and like, understand that nobody nobody is we're yeah. all trying we're all just humans trying to figure this stuff out and being a human is hard yeah i'd, I'd love to see what would happen actually if we were to have a, a room full of the world leaders and i don't know to give them some mushrooms or lsd oh, or something like know, if, if you if you like to read like, get this michael pollan book that i'm i'm raving about he goes into massive in-depth about governments the CIA, yeah. how they try to turn it into a war drug, all of these things. Oh, yeah, yeah. They thought LSD was going to be the next weapon in war, like that they, they were going to create super soldiers with this stuff. <laughs> but like there's a magazine, a psychedelic magazine called Double Blind, uh, because they did the double blind experiments back in the day, which like, yeah. and they're like, um, if you gave this substance to someone like Trump right now, mm -hmm. no integration, you know, that's why the integration. So if you just gave it to him, he would come out thinking he is God Almighty, <laughs> you know, and yeah. he's like, because he's a narcissist in the true sense of a narcissist, not just like we throw that word around as if it doesn't mean anything. It, it's an actual mental health issue to be a narcissist. Yeah. You know, you have no empathy. You can't think about anybody but yourself. That's a terrible place to be, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. I um, think all politicians suffer with that. But anyhow. <laughs> I know. It sucks. It sucks. Like, yeah. we think, like we look back in history and go like, wow. But we're just living history now too, you know, we are, we are our future's ancestors, you know, we're the future people's ancestors. We're just going to look yeah. back at us and be like, how the fuck did they not figure this out? 
like we're looking back and being like, how the fuck did they not figure that out? You know, it's just mm -hmm. continues until the lessons learned. Yeah. And that's it, you know? Yeah. You, you were saying there that um, your husband supported Biden and um, I, I kind of pick up that you would have supported this campaign over Trump, obviously, like uh, I suppose it's the lesser two evils. But um, uh, during the campaign, Biden kind of alluded to the fact that he was going to federally decriminalize cannabis uh, himself and Kamala. But they published a paper there recently around um, the pathway to sorting out the racial disequality or disequality there that happens in the law. But in, in that, they made no mention at all to the federal decriminalization of cannabis as being a way in which to help with this uh, racial inequality that happens in the application of the law. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that he's going to stay true to that promise? Or do you think he might show you? <laughs> I believe there's a vote in Congress soon. I don't okay. know if it's going to pass. I mean, who knows? But there, it's still too, I think it's still wishful thinking to think it's going to be overnight federally legal. I think it's going to be, you're going to see it more state by state. And mm -hmm. then, because right now most of the states are, so, if at least medically, you know, at least medically legal. So once it just becomes an overpower of the states, I think then it'll become federally. But they've got a massive task on their hands because there's so many people incarcerated just for possession. And they're yeah. mostly black minorities or just yeah. black people in general or wh whoever that and it was just another way to continue on slavery like that's it yeah. prison systems here are for profit they are for, right. for slavery purposes basically yeah so they have to figure out how are you going to release these people and then integrate them back to society like stop throwing people in jail like even a really really bad criminal criminal shouldn't just be thrown in jail they should be helped to heal we need to heal society not just throw them away to rot no they're going to come out and do worse if you do that yeah help people treat them yeah integrate it back and then make them the pioneers make them the people who are in charge uh, give them the roles of the people in charge of this substance because they've been using it for longer than us white well personally me anyway yeah. like irish girl like i don't deserve any credit it's them you know they knew the power behind it and it helped them because the history of america is disgusting and it's built on slavery and injustice and i think <laughs> that needs to be fixed too that's a big job yeah and i don't think biden is going to be the only man who, who's going to do it it's going to take a collective thing but i hope he does i have hope that he's going to stick to the as most as many as the promises as he made as he can you know yeah well, I'll be watching closely anyway. I hope I see some positive things because like if, if cannabis was to be decriminalized federally, I think that really opens up the gateway to the other states kind of coming forward and legalizing cannabis then, not just medicinally, but just right across the board for adults. Um, I, I just can't see it uh, being held back any longer once it's federally decriminalized, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that was a big issue there in, in New York, actually, with getting it legalized is the redressing the people who've been displaced by the war on drugs, mm -hmm. um, especially black people up there in places like the Bronx and stuff like that. Um, they, they had, uh, I think it was two or three bills go before the, whoever the powers are in, in New York, the state there, and they rejected it because there was nodding in there around redressing people who've been 
displaced by the, the laws. And uh, I think it was third time lucky. And, and it was a Students for Sensible Drug Policy uh, woman as well. I can't, I'm terrible with names, <laughs> you know. But she, she was the big pusher, uh, pardon the pun there, on this policy um, that, that they, they couldn't get it passed uh, unless they, they included a provision in there for helping people because I think it's a big problem even right across the states where cannabis has been legalized it's mostly white rich people getting involved in the industry whereas the the poorer communities the the black communities and uh, people like that they're, they're being discluded it's it's it's, it's uh, and a lot of the times these were probably the people who are first in the door when it was legal really like because it's the more des more desperate out there who will break the laws Exactly. I, I, I don't know how they're going to do it, but they definitely, definitely need to. Like, we, what's the term? I don't know. Making up for, making up for lost time. Like, re, re, yeah. you know that word I'm looking for? Like, uh, not, ju not just um, legalizing, but giving back to the people that you've, not just yeah. taking them out of prison, but actually re, re, oh, something took my tongue. I can't think of it. Not reimbursing them, but redress them yeah yeah just like help them give them the money them, yeah. them, give it like power to them and I, I i hope so i really do hope so i don't know Oregon right. itself is a super white state though so it's full of white rich people <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh, something i kind of ponder over myself i push for um just declaring my own name i have criminal convictions here in ireland um but i had a my trip to america cancelled before i went and got plane tickets and everything i was going over to take part in the students for sensible drug policies uh, conference it was in washington state or in washington dc mm -hmm. and uh, cannabis was legal there and i wasn't able to fly there because i have a criminal conviction for cannabis it was so it so annoying be, like can you not oh. see it come on yeah is, ignorance is not bliss ignorance isn't yeah. use anymore it's just not it's you can't put yeah. your hand anymore but what I missed out on on that trip was uh, I basically missed out on an international conference of students, like-minded people who are like passionate about drug policy. But also over that weekend, I would have got to sit in the UN. Uh, I would have got to attend the UN as a representative of the Students for Sensible Drug Policy and sat there, not, not just representing the group, but representing my country to Ireland at the United Nations um, at a general assembly on a special sitting on narcotics. And I, I completely had been robbed of those opportunities. And it's something like I always wonder, you know, it's like I can clear my name for like, not, I cannot be a criminal again. That's all well and good. Like how, how much money would, could they give me? Like what can they actually do to repay that opportunity that I was robbed of? Like mm -hmm. I, I can't think of anything. I, I, like there is nothing. Yeah. Like the, the only thing they can really do is, is say sorry and, <laughs> that's kind of it and, and if they done that that would probably be enough for me really if, if I could just get a sorry <laughs> no but you know what that's such a it's such a valid point you made and like imagine you're you're here and you've been thrown in jail for 20 years for possession possession yeah and yeah, that... you're just out in society that it's you can't survive here on minimum wage you're below the poverty line if you make minimum wage you can't I, I I'm still trying to figure out how people just have families and survive here i don't understand like i think death is death is just so normalized it's just that's how you do it yeah. no i don't have the answers there but like you said like how do you how do you make amends 
Yeah, you just can't. There's so much harm after being done. Like, and, and I'm going to use my own example, but imagine if you're a parent of a sick child and uh, you're watching as, like, you know, sadly, there is parents out there who who's, who's have had kids pass away um, of conditions that questionably could have been alleviated by having access to cannabis and those kids could still be here. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, like, how do you do, how can you repay that? Like, and, and I think this is some of the problem there with uh, getting these politicians and these other guys to admit, you know, that what they were doing all along was wrong. It's because of all of this that they have to face, like all of these skeletons that they're going to have in their closet now and when they realize what they were doing all along was long yeah. or wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, 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 big barriers to overcome. It, it is, but you know what? I think you even said it, the power is in the people, you know, it's not the politicians. Nope. Unfortunately, there is governments and that's just the reality we're in, but it is the people. It's people power. It's always been revolutions have always come from the people, you know, and that's what yeah. we call this. This is a revolution, like a mindset revolution. I love that term. Like we just need to change yeah. our mindsets and open our minds to even if you never want to touch this stuff i am not you don't have to i ain't forcing yeah. you and i will i've learned my lesson i i won't force anything on you and like i used to be the alcohol pusher i will i will supply if you <laughs> but i won't i won't push you know it's up to you yeah um i i think um I, i've kind of stretched all the questions i want to <laughs> ask it now um I can't think of any more. I'd love to just talk more about the the, the industry over love, there in Oregon. I would love if you um if you want to read off the but read get that book because you'll you will love it. You will love it. You will yeah. eat it up. You'll read it in a day. Like and that's my, Michael Pollan's book. Michael so. Pollan, yeah, because he like didn't do psychedelics till he was in his sixties. Because he okay. he also had the same preconceived notions that we have had that they're bad, you know, and he yeah. them and then he did. And he changed yeah. his mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll have to get to get onto that one. So yeah. let's check it out. Yeah, I hope he has an audio version. <laughs> yeah, the no, audio is great. It's it's the book that all these psychedelic communities are raving about. Like it's the book that's helped it come mainstream. And it's not that I want it to be just like mainstream, but like mainstream helps things progress. You know. So. Yeah, yeah, it's something that uh, might be in the stocking for my mum this Christmas. Copy <laughs> uncle, <laughs> so I'm like. Ah, brilliant. Let's see what he yeah. thinks. Because he's he's the if I can if I can help him change his mind, I believe anyone can change their mind. Yeah. That's a nice subtle way of kind of putting it in front of somebody without being too in their face. Yeah. <laughs> I never read this book. <laughs> but I find myself it's kinda because it ties in so much with the death work, I have to almost mention it if anyone asks me about that, because I'm like, I think anyone anyone who's got a terminal diagnosis should have access to this it should be one yeah. of the first options that they're given you know yeah yeah i'd agree with you i think though as well i think there's tremendous benefits that could come with uh just having that anxiety that comes with being told you're going to die being alleviated i see it in some people that i talk to here uh, who who kind of face with their own uh mortality it's coming soon from and um i can see like they have problems but the, the, these people I'm thinking of would be incredibly resistant to the idea of uh, using some of these substances. Um, and I, I can always wonder, like, it's like, um, oh, I'm going through your entire life and never experiencing this. It's, ah, oh, so many, it's so sad, really, like, that uh, people are being robbed of this because of uh, these ignorant policies. Yep. 
Well, I don't know if you believe in yoga philosophy and reincarnation and karma and samsara and all those <laughs> things. I'm like, it's always now. So maybe I'll get yeah. this in some distant version of myself, really see this being integrated in society and it'll be amazing. You know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I have no idea what happens after you die, but I, Einstein proved that energy can't be destroyed. So that, that's it. There you go. Our energy, we, we, we're matter and energy, you know, and then spirit. Yeah or whatever so yeah matter can't be created or destroyed it just changes form and right. that's most likely what we'll probably do when when we transition on into whatever is next <laughs> and you know what it has helped i'm quite not in a morbid way but in like i can't wait to see what happens next i'm like Same. <laughs> i'm gonna try as presently die as i can you know? <laughs> whenever that time comes as i can it'll be another yeah it really happens but that's what i want for my mom and for everyone just to die in peace we want them to rest in peace let them die in peace too you know yeah i i definitely would like to die a ripe old age <laughs> but but i'm excited for when that time will come eventually because it's uh it's probably one of the most important times of every person's life really like it's something that we're all working up building towards to grow old is the art of loss I, I like to, to to get old you have to get good at the art of loss because the older you get the more people around you you're going to lose and you're going to yeah. have you know and then that's it you just have to accept <laughs> death death is i think we're going to see a, a big a big shift in even the way we look at death yeah mm -hmm. I hope. yeah i think uh i think that's a nice way to, to end it here so yeah. for uh for a chat <laughs> well, thank you so i love yeah that. thank you <laughs> yeah, thank you. I, I absolutely enjoyed having the, the, the conversation, which I hope everybody else out there will enjoy it too. Um, I, I think there's a lot of nice nuggets of information in there for people that uh, they'll really benefit in hearing. Because I, I think there's so many people out there like yourself and myself who, who feel like they're, they're on their own. And get, getting to hear this now, it's kind of just reinforcing and it might help them to take that step forward and share their story, share their experience. Because it's it's true doing this that we're really going to normalize this and uh, kind of steamroll ahead to to that day of change. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you so much. Yeah, Leanne, yeah, thanks. Yeah, perfect. No, but is there anything you want to add? Is there anywhere you want to send people? Any shoutouts or call uh, to actions? <laughs> uh, I mean, I just have an Instagram that I like to share some of my yoga on and. I don't know. I'm also trying to figure out that whole space. I don't want, I, 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 I'm, uh, I understand that yoga is not about the physical postures and I don't really want people to think that that's all it is. If they, you know, come to my, my page, no. it's mostly it, 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 but at the same time, it's why I'm where I'm at. So I, 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 yeah. I, I would love for everyone to do yoga. I would love to see yoga become a part of the curriculum in schools and all of that, you know? So yeah. That'd be awesome. It used to be something I used to do regularly enough before, and I'm actually good at it. I don't do it regularly anymore. Uh, I used to train like a beast before, like five, six days a week, but I used to always make sure the middle of my week, Wednesday night, I had a, a yoga practice. Um, Mary was my yoga teacher, and uh, sadly, she went away to Canada, and um, I never found a yoga teacher afterwards that could fill Mary's uh, shoes. Mm -hmm. She'd done an absolutely amazing class. It was a... Uh, uh geez what was the is a silva no not silvasana that was a sleeping part at the end yeah. um 
geez, I can't think of the type of yoga anyway that we were doing, but it was uh, it was just very nice and yeah. it was so enjoyable. Yeah. But um, I, I'm, yoga, I really need. It's a very personal practice. There's so many forms, and there's none. There's none. Like you said, when one resonates with you, it really does, and that's yeah. And you 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 learn that by by experiencing that, and mm-hmm. yeah. That's it. But when I used to do the practices before, I used to be just basic out, like pure stiff at the hips, like a, a tie box or like so. I had all these weird stiff parts of my body because I've uh, just joints. I was never moving and things like. And uh, it, it used to be just a real eye opener to to get in and experience that, especially somebody doing a lot of tie boxing and you're going in thinking, "Hi, app yoga, sure, this be easy." And geez, it was actually incredibly difficult. There's there's one uh, move that you share uh, one transition you do and it's like going from a seated position where you like lift yourself up and you put your whole body back into the uh, downward facing dog uh, like tip my hat to you absolutely mm-hmm. amazing like that that's that's some serious uh, control of the body amazing <laughs> hold on <laughs> well that's ashtanga yoga i mean i started not being able to touch my toes and that's the honest truth you know i also yeah. more strength building i did crossfit <laughs> and pole fitness before I started yoga so I had built up quite strength so that's why I can do those jump backs quite easily not, yeah. quite, not quite easily I take that back that took a lot of practice it, but they yeah. come for me for some reason but my flexibility on the other hand I'm very stiff also even though I know my pictures might not but I I, I uh, my body is tight but I also yeah. understand that the body keeps the score you know the body you have to body and you let it open at your own time and you don't force it <laughs> exactly it just came back to me actually the yoga we done it was a uh, vinyasa yoga oh, yeah, vinyasa. Yeah. yeah vinyasa cool loved it yeah i'm so happy to to just start normalizing it like you said thanks again leanne and there you have it everyone i hope you enjoyed that interview um it was a real pleasure getting to sit and chat with leanne and getting uh, to hear her story of what it was like to, to leave ireland and to try cannabis for the first time in america um so uh, i really enjoyed that conversation i hope you did too and until next time guys uh, this has been martin condon from martin's world uh, stay blessed guys and keep her lit peace